A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards, and I am so glad to be with you today. I am glad that you are here as well. Uh, I know that it has been a few days, and uh, I'm going to talk a little bit uh, about why I was away later on in the program, but um, given the fact that we have not had the chance to talk about Joe Biden's big announcement on Monday, right, a, a new nominee to be the permanent director of the ATF, as well as uh, updates on his uh, proposed rule against quote-unquote ghost guns, uh, as well as uh, the proposed rule on uh, redefining uh, frames and receivers under the Gun Control Act of 1968, we need to talk about that. And uh, joining me to discuss what Biden laid out and what the uh, industry's response is and might be in the future, uh, Matt Manda from the National Shooting Sports Foundation is going to be with us. Uh, I want you to take a look and a listen. We've got our uh, good deed of the day. We've got our hero of the day and our recidivist report coming up as well. But let's start this uh, Cam and Company again with a conversation with Matt Manda from the National Shooting Sports Foundation, digging in deep into what the Biden administration is now doing, not to fight violent crime, not to improve public safety, but to throw the gun control lobby a bone by targeting legal law-abiding gun owners. Take a look and a listen. Matt Manda, Manager of Public Affairs at National Shooting Sports Foundation. Thank you so much for joining me on the program today. Hey, Cam. It's great to be here and uh, discuss all things firearms in the industry with you. Yeah. So I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm a little out of the loop. Um, I have not been paying a ton of in-depth attention. I've been able to pay a lot of in-depth attention to the, uh, the news over the past few days. So I wondered if we could just kind of go through uh, first of all, Joe Biden's announcement on Monday and what this actually means for the industry, what it means in terms of what he says it's going to do. Um, so so can we start with these rules on, quote unquote, ghost guns, uh, you know, home built, unserialized firearms? Yeah, certainly. So the president uh, made another uh, gun control Rose Garden announcement on Monday. Uh, speech and comments probably could have taken off the shelf from his very first joint session of Congress speech, uh, his first Rose Garden speech where he announced David Chipman for ATF director, his State of the Union address speech. It was all the same wording that he announced uh, just on Monday. Uh, included in those comments were more of his sort of laundry list of gun control wish list that we've heard all before, repealing PLCAA and, and uh, stating, making false statements about that and what it means for the industry. But uh, really the meat and potatoes of what he announced new um, was uh, new regulations on markings and serialization for uh, what they call so-called ghost guns, but are just home-built firearms, as we all know. And then also made an announcement of his new nominee for uh, to lead the ATF, um, Steve Dettelbach, who has run for partisan political office in Ohio before as attorney general, um, has been a prosecutor for a long time. And those were really the two main um, meat and potato parts of what he announced in the Rose Garden on Monday. Um, and so there was a lot to digest that was new, but uh, a lot of it was unsurprising to us. Uh, I think on the industry side, those retailers, manufacturers that have heard this same story over and over again, second, first, same as the first. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to get into to, uh, Steve Dettelbach's background because I know the Biden administration is saying, look, he was approved unanimously when he was nominated as U.S. attorney. Uh, he should have no problem uh, getting confirmed now. 
uh, as you say, you know, he has since run for office. He has since taken some positions that I think puts him uh, out of step, uh, certainly with a lot of American people. And I, I think uh, may even, you know, have put himself in a position where he views the firearms industry as a foe uh, rather than, you know, a, a, a partner. But uh, before we get to Dettelbach, let's talk about the 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 new rule on unserialized mm-hmm. firearms, because Biden made a big deal about talking about these ghost gun kits, right? The buy, build, shoot kits. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anybody who makes these kits going forward now, he says they're going to have to be uh, serialized before they're sold. You're going to have to get uh, licensed by the ATF. Um, first of all, how, how have you had a chance to actually look at the final rule? And is this final rule actually final yet? Or was this a Rose Garden announcement with the the actual details to come later? Well, again, we've seen that playbook before, an announcement made uh, about plans that they're going to do, uh, which then take a long time and there's confusion and and studying up on what exactly was announced before anything actually becomes concrete rule of law, so to speak. So uh, to answer your two questions right there, they announced a final rule that will be published uh, that as of our interview right now has not been published. So the, the timing of what the final rule means for the industry and also those FFLs that offer private um, uh, parts uh, for sale in their their, uh, retail shops. None of that has really taken place yet. So we are really diving in to look at all these details. As you know, federal regulations are very, very complicated, um, especially so for our industry and what it means to our members and the retailers across the country who are there to most uh, always follow the law. These are uh, people that are trying to do good work and, and be um, on the right side of these things. So you're right. There's a, a, the new final rule is uh, applying serialization and markings to these unfinished firearm parts and receivers. Uh, these are firearms. Uh, as, as you know, building firearms has been um, perfectly legal since before the founding of the country. Uh, and so this is, again, the administration coming out and really pushing uh, more restrictions on the Second Amendment rather than really focusing on the criminals who perpetrate gun crimes in this country. Uh, and so we're looking into those details to really see what they, uh, how they will affect uh, manufacturers, distributors, retailers, what the timing is. One thing that we did see is uh, where we heard rumblings of a 90-day timeline when this final rule would actually be published in terms of uh, when enforcement uh, would take place there were even some rumors about the timeline being 60 days. It actually is 120 days uh, from time of publish. So again, it hasn't been published yet, but at least there is uh, some additional timing that they have allowed people to figure out how that will impact their businesses. And also uh, on the private, um, on the FFLs that offer these private parts, they have an additional 60 days to make sure they're in compliance with their marking uh, protocols and regulations that come down. So there's a whole lot to digest here, as you know, very, very complicated. We're doing our due diligence uh, to make sure that we understand everything perfectly clear so that we can help uh, these FFLs and our retailers across the country be in compliance. We know the administration is operating under a zero tolerance policy right now and uh, really using that as a bludgeon to put retailers out of business, this kind of seems like a move just to perpetrate that even further. So we're really doing our due diligence. We're trying to do everything we can to make sure we provide the right information before we say something that might be even more confusing. So uh, federal regulations have a lot to dive into, but we're doing our part. 
Yeah, and and again, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, given that the 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 final rule has not been published yet. I, I don't want to ask you to comment on something that's not out there for you to see. Um, but I do know that you know Biden also talked about split receivers, right? And we've 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 heard a lot of talk about requiring additional uh, serialization because, um, and this gets a little confusing. But as I understand it, Matt, the language of the Gun Control Act of 1968 um, does not match in terms of its you know definition of what a firearm is or what a receiver is. Does not match a lot of semi-automatic firearms, a lot of uh, uh, you know whether we're talking about handguns or rifles. So then I think the question becomes, is the administration trying to over is it is it overstepping its bounds or, or are you can is this something that the that NSSF is concerned about, that the administration is trying to do something via regulation that actually needs to be changed via legislation? Well, that, you hit the nail on the head there, Cam. Uh, it absolutely is an overstep. Uh, Congress has chosen up to this point not to regulate those. Uh, this is an action taken unilaterally by the executive branch that. Uh, will certainly be, you know, is already causing a stir and, and, and problematic. So uh, this is something that should really be addressed uh, through the Constitution by the, the lawmaking body, uh, Congress. It's not. Uh, again, this this why the president probably felt forced to make these announcements on his own. Uh, he has received a lot of pushback when Congress um, has tried to pass through gun control uh, legislation, no matter what you name it. Um, people overwhelmingly we've seen in the last two years have rejected that. Uh, and so gun control groups across the country have become more vocal in their disappointment and frustration with the president. He felt like he had to do something, doing something just to do something. This is that something. So uh, again, we'll, we'll see and dive into that, but um, it doesn't seem like anything that he mentioned is going to address crime. Uh, it's not going to be holding accountable those that are pulling the trigger, uh, whether that trigger is on a home-built firearm that's perfectly legal or a firearm purchased by a first-time uh, new woman gun owner who uh, you know felt like her safety was needs to be taken into our own hands. We've seen that by the millions across the country in the last couple of years. Absolutely. Um, all right. So let, now let's talk about Steve Dettelbach, uh, the the uh, next nominee, Biden's uh, second choice for uh, ATF director. Um, you know, again, as I mentioned, Biden uh, touted the fact that the Dettelbach was a, a former U.S. attorney who was confirmed unanimously, but. You know, since he was appointed U.S. attorney, Matt, he he ran for attorney general in Ohio. He lost. Um, but as a candidate for office, he was in favor of all of the gun control proposals that you can think of. The the gun control groups backed his campaign. They are applauding uh, his nomination today. Um, is there. Obviously, uh, Dettelbach doesn't have, you know, years of experience working for a gun control group like Giffords as a uh, as a lobbyist. But as far as you can tell, is there any real difference in ideology between David Chipman and Steve Dettelbach when it comes to firearms and in the firearms industry? Uh no, it doesn't appear so. This is somebody who has made political contributions to President Biden's campaign, Kamala Harris's campaign. He's donated to Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, who we know uh, from her history of flip-flopping on gun control and gun rights here in New York. She's my uh, home state senator now. This is a guy who's donated to gun control politicians. He's pushed for bans on modern sporting rifles. He's pushed for universal background checks, which are unworkable without a national registry, which is uh, prohibited by law. Uh, he's pushed for implementation of red flag laws that 
uh, deny due process. And all of those are reasons why he was, as you mentioned, Cam, uh, endorsed by every town for gun safety when he ran for political office. Um, so again, we're going to, we're going to take time to really dive into his record. We know initially, we know who this person is. We know Steve Dettelbach's record, uh, from the public available information, just like we knew David Chipman's, uh, as you mentioned, but I would, um, add, uh, once, uh, Chipman was nominated the time between his nomination and actually the, the Senate judiciary committee hearings, a whole lot of information that's new came out, um, Especially, you know, you, you look at the uh, exclusive reporting by Stephen Katowski over at the Reload about his treatment of um, minority uh, agents when he was an agent at uh, the ATF, some disparaging remarks he made. Uh, he was extremely frustrated and flustered at the committee hearing when uh, Chittenden couldn't even define um, what a so-called assault weapon would be when pressed by uh, Louisiana Senator John Kennedy. Uh, those really kind of caved in. And, and he wasn't able to secure even the support of Democrats. So there's a whole, we know what uh, Steve Dettelbach's public record is up to this point. I think uh, uh, Stephen Gutowski at The Reload even published this morning uh, some exclusive reporting about his record when he ran for office, talking about election rigging and stuff in Ohio. So there's going to be plenty of time for um, diving in to get even more information, but we know he's uh, he ran for partisan political office. We know he supported the laundry list of gun control um, items that the White House believes in too. Uh, and so we know who he is, but we're going to take our time. We're going to listen to the hearings. We're going to find, uh, find out even more, but I think you're spot on with uh, your perception of what this nominee means and who he is. Well, unfortunately, uh, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. Uh, you know, Biden, I think ran, for, uh, ran on, on, on an idea of weaponizing the ATF, turning that into basically a, a gun control group with, law enforcement powers. Uh, and yeah, remember, he called us all the enemy. So that's right. Uh, you remember that. Yeah. And I have seen nothing since Biden has taken office uh, to indicate that he has changed his mind in any way, shape or form. Uh, as you say, rather than going after the criminals, rather than trying to fix a broken criminal justice system, uh, you know, the president and this administration keeps targeting legal gun owners, keeps targeting the firearms industry. Uh, it keeps aiming in the wrong direction. And I don't know if it's going to pay off for him politically. I don't think it is, but I know that it's not going to improve public safety in this country. Uh, again, I'm, you talked about the millions of Americans who have embraced their right to keep and bear arms over the past couple of years. Uh, and I'm thankful that those folks have done so. I hope that we continue to see Americans take their own safety and security seriously, because quite frankly, the administration's not. Uh, they're, they're, they're all in on gun control instead of uh, you know making sure that we can not only protect ourselves, but make sure we've got a functional criminal justice system that works. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll add two quick points real quick. Um, one, as you mentioned, this is an administration who we, we know who they are. We know what their plans are. We know what their gun control agenda is. And if you need, you need to look no further other than listening to the president at speech after speech after speech recited all, but his recent budget blueprint that he offered uh, to your point about um, penalizing and bludgeoning the industry, his budget included more money spent on hiring new inspection officers than it did on ATF special agents out there going after criminals. So they're really interested in going after the industry, those who are really doing the good work to try to follow the law, try to figure out these complicated um, issues. They've instituted that zero tolerance policy and the budget that he offered really just gives it away right there. Secondly, to your point about, I mean, Americans are, are they overwhelming historic numbers bought firearms over the last two years. We also see just recently the study of NORC in uh, the University of Chicago where even um, Michael Bloomberg's you know, news agency, The Trace, reported on how 
new first-time gun buyers, which over the past couple of years, 40% have been women. Minority buyers have been higher numbers uh, percentage-wise than previous years at any time. The gun-owning community is more diverse than ever. Over the last two years, those first-time gun buyers are less supportive of more gun restrictions, meaning they support gun rights more so than former, like already owning guns, uh, Americans across. So they, they literally recognized the situation that they were left in. They felt um, that they needed to take their safety in their own hands. They went out and legally purchased a first time fire uh, firearm for themselves and recognized the implications that the gun control policies that are in place really have on that ability to exercise their second amendment rights. So Americans do not support this agenda it's why you saw so much pushback the first time when it came to an ATF director and, and David Chipman. It's why you're probably going to see a pushback again with Steve Dettelbach. All right, Matt Manda with NSSF. Thank you again, sir, for coming on the program. It's good talking with you today. Hope we get a chance to do this again soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Cam. I appreciate Matt joining us on the program, and we obviously are going to be covering all of these developments uh, in the uh, days and weeks to come. Right now, though, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there. Story out of Fresno, California, where a murder suspect, police says, has a lengthy criminal record. We've heard that a lot in California, haven't we? You know, the uh, suspects, at least one of the suspects in the uh, mass shooting in Sacramento, uh, serving less than, what, about four years of a 10-year prison sentence? Well, in Fresno, California, 41-year-old Salvador Oliveira, was murdered on March 28th, shot multiple times at an apartment complex. 31-year-old Jerry Rodriguez has now been officially charged by the Fresno County DA's office. And according to police, uh, Jerry Rodriguez has quite the criminal history. According to a a spokesman with the uh, Fresno Police Department, Lieutenant Paul Cervantes, he says that um, Rodriguez's criminal history started out with several car thefts. And progressively got worse. Progression, uh, quote, from multiple arrests to of auto thefts to narcotics possession, narcotics for sale. And then Cervantes says we see a steady increase related to crime, robberies, assault with a deadly weapon, things of that sort. He was convicted on uh, assault with a deadly weapon, went to prison. But according to ABC 30 in Fresno, he was released early and was on probation at the time of Oliveira's murder. So once again, raising significant questions. Not only about the availability of plea bargains to violent offenders, and that's a, a situation that's not uncommon uh, across the country. This isn't something limited only to California. Uh, but also, uh, weren't we supposed to have some sort of truth in sentencing laws in California? Weren't we supposed to have a three strikes in your route law in California? I mean, weren't these laws on the books in California supposed to inhibit violent criminals? And yet there are so many... Uh, uh, loopholes. There are so many ways to turn a 10-year sentence into a four-year sentence to get probation for a violent crime. And unfortunately, Mr. Rodriguez is the latest example of California's failure to target violent criminals because of their overriding desire to target legal law-abiding gun owners. Now, today's armed citizen story. This is a weird one. I got to tell you, from Houston, Texas, where a man was shot and killed during a home invasion while he was disguised as a nurse. Yeah, I mean, I've run across armed citizen stories before where uh, individuals will pose as law enforcement officers. I got to tell you, this is the first time I've run across a story where a a would-be intruder 
tried to pose as a nurse. It happened around 1230 Tuesday morning, just after midnight. Police say an older woman reported hearing a knock at her door, and she saw a man dressed again in a nurse's outfit or a home health care worker. Uh, he said he uh, tried to use that look to get into the home instead of forcing entry, but when it didn't work on the woman, she called her son for help. The son told officers he rushed home and found that by the time that he had arrived, the man had broken in the door. Houston Police Department says the son shot and killed the intruder as he was trying to break in to the home. Houston Police Department Lieutenant J.P. Herelka says it doesn't look like there was any relation at all. It was just a random thing. The home health care that dropped on the original radio was part of a ruse to try to gain entry into the home. When that didn't work, he tried to force entry in there. Well, I'm glad that that woman's son was able to come home and save his mom. But I also hope that this weekend they're going to the gun store and uh, mom's going to get some range time in because help might not always be just a phone call away, unfortunately. And that brings us to today's Good Deed of the Day. And I'd like to thank all of you for today's Good Deed of the Day. Because the outpouring of support that I've received, my family has received, over the past week, since our oldest son unexpectedly passed away, uh, has truly been overwhelming. This has been, without a doubt, the worst week of my life. Uh, not a hour goes by where I am not thinking about and mourning the loss of my son. Um, I'm not going to get into a lot of details. I will tell you that his death was not gun-related. Um, we do not have an official determination, but uh, I feel confident that it is going to be natural causes. And in the days and weeks ahead, I might talk more about it. I don't know if this is the appropriate venue. But um, please know that all of your thoughts and all of your prayers, all of the outreach that we've received over the past week, it has been received with gratitude. Uh, and I just cannot thank you enough. I hope and pray that um, none of you ever find yourself in a similar situation. But if you do, I hope that you are surrounded by the same type of love and support that my family has received over the past week. So again, for all of you who reached out, and even those of you who just said a silent prayer and never said anything to me at all, again, I thank you for being in the right place at the right time and being willing and able to do the right thing. Now, I'll be back tomorrow. Um, until then, make sure you check out BarryAndArms.com. Tom Knighton, I also have to thank John Petrolino. I have to thank Ranjit Singh, all of the uh, folks at Bearing Arms, and all of the folks at Town Hall. Uh, Michael Raid, Storm Paglia, uh, 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 our producer Jim. Um, so many great folks who, again, have been so kind to us over the past week. So thank you to you all. I'll be back tomorrow with even more of the latest Second Amendment news and information that you need to know about. But until then, make sure you check out BarryAndArms.com. We're updating the website throughout the day. If you like what you see, you can always become a VIP Gold member or a VIP member even. Just go to BarryAndArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. You get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As our way of saying, thanks for showing your support. We're going to give you exclusive analysis, news stories, commentary you won't get anywhere else. All right. I'll see you tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.